What a privilege it is to, to share the Word of God this morning to you all. But before I start, we've said some thank yous to Ireland. We've said some thank yous to people having big birthdays. I just want to say thank you to Joel and Allison. They are family. They live in the States. They play a really cool role. They support Pierre and Brian from a distance and also from close. You guys are awesome. We love you as a family. The fact that you come on holiday and you come to visit us is just huge. And we really want to thank you for what you guys do. So it's cool. It's very cool. Right, so this morning I get to talk on honor, which is a really, really big topic, quite a complicated topic, but a good topic. And um, I want to start off with what I want you to get out by the end of this. I want you to know that God loves you. If you didn't pick that up through the worship, you missed it. I'm going to make it very clear. God loves you. And that as your father, he wants to have a relationship with you. And out of all of this today, that if we get that, if we grasp that, if we fully understand that God absolutely loves you, you'll honor him because you know how much he gave for you. So who am I and why am I speaking to you? I've got a couple of slides I want to show you as a bit of context for why I'm speaking to you today. The first is that I'm speaking to you as as a Christian. So Paul, when he writes all of his letters in the New Testament, always starts and he says, I'm a bondservant of Christ. And this morning I say to you, I'm not here speaking to you out of some of my own wisdom. I'm speaking to you because I'm a bondservant of Christ. And because God has a plan for each of you, because he has a plan for me. And therefore as a Christian, I speak to you in that regard. In Ephesians 2.10 it says, for I know the plan for you, says the Lord. And I think it's amazing that each of us, God has something unique for each and every one of us. So this morning as we speak about honor, know this, that God has a plan for you as a Christian. The second is that 20 years ago, almost to the day, I was captivated by a young girl. She was 15 years old at the time. She looks a little bit older now, just a little bit. And 20 years ago, I met her, and she was unlike anything else. She was wise, she was kind, she was beautiful. She is all of the above and more. And 20 years later, I've been her husband. So honor is first and foremost to Christ. And secondly, honor is starting to be in those relationships that we have on the everyday. So that's my wife. That's her jumping on a bed. She does that a lot. <laughs> the third reason I'm speaking today is, is that I'm speaking to you as a dad. How many other moms and dads have we got in the house? Awesome. Lots of prospective moms and dads in the house as well. That's good. Lots of grannies and grandpas as well. But I'm speaking to you as, today as a father. And do you know that in the Bible it says that children are an inheritance and they are a blessing. And uh, when we speak about honor, God gave us kids. I mean, we didn't deserve them. If I look at my kids, I'm, I'm, I, I think God shot the lights out with this. He gave me amazing kids. Um, Hannah is eight. She's a firecracker. And she's full of passion and full of life. She's my princess, and she gets her looks from her mom. My eldest son is James. James, is, he's, he's the glue in the family. He's the thinker. He likes to think things through. He is also a bit of a man of action. If you see him today, he's got two big scratches on his face from diving into trees. He started bush diving at the age of six. And then my youngest son is Benjamin. Um, Benjamin keeps us all on our toes. Uh, nickname Hurricane. Um, Benjamin has, has really two buttons, on and off. When he's awake, it's on. When he's asleep, it's off. That's it. But why I'm saying this to you today is that God, when we speak about honor, we first we honor God. Then we honor those around us. And if you're privileged to have children, we 
We teach our kids to honor. And so that's why this morning, as I speak to you as a dad, I want to speak to you about that honor. The next I'd like to talk to you about is a man under authority. I stand here this morning as a man under authority. As you know, the bass player, good-looking bass player, is the lead elder of our church. And it's a privilege to work alongside a man like this who follows God and loves him. Do you know that when we live lives of integrity, it makes it so much easier for people to follow us? When we honor God and we live lives of purpose for God, it makes it so much easier for people to walk alongside us and to fulfill a call. So that's Pierre. You all know Pierre. The one you don't probably know is the, the good-looking guy on the right. He's taken ladies. He's getting married in about two months' time, three months' time. That's Bevan. And I've had the privilege of working with this man uh, in a professional capacity for the last eight years. And you know what's amazing about him is that he's a visionary. Do you know that vision inspires people? You know, when God gives you a vision, if you hold it to yourself, you, you're actually robbing everyone of that. And Bevan took the courage to display his vision, speak it out, and then step it out. And this morning, that's part of honor. He believed God gave him a vision. He, he took the, the effort and integrity to, to, to make and the courage to make something happen. And you know what? We have 150 people who work for us now, and that they're inspired because somebody t- took that God-given calling and, and, steps and, and put it into action. So I'm a man under authority. And then finally, I'd like to say to you today, the scripture I'm talking to you about is, um, honor your mom and your dad. So I need you to know who they are. Um, it's kind of important because the, uh, the one on the left is my folks. Um, that's how I grew up. Um, that was what they were like. Um, a little word to the wise. If you don't know, my folks actually lost me on my christening. I, um, I, I think they were having a party and uh, I wasn't invited. Um, and when they sobered up, they couldn't remember where I was. So fortunately, my godfather did. Um, but my folks, let me tell you about them. It's, it's, more, it's more like having teenagers. They've just come back from three and a half months of cycling on a tandem from uh, the west coast of Canada to just above Mexico to raise funds and awareness for Tembelicha. So it really is uh, like having a teenager. Ma, uh, Dad, where are you? I'm in Gabon. Okay, that's cool. Uh, what are you doing there? No, you know, and, but what is amazing is my folks are still passionate about God. They've been in the ministry for just on 30 years. They love God. They, they, they serve Him. When you squeeze my dad, what you'll get is you'll get love and grace will pop out. Um, you know, he's a person who loves people. He's always loved people. Uh, he's absolutely my hero, completely, hands down. When you squeeze my mom, you'll get prayer and the Word of God will come out. Um, Another quick story is when I was playing sport at a young age, um, I unfortunately had a bad tackle and went down. And the, the school goes, ooh. And then there's that moment of quiet before they say, well, how bad was it, you know? Everyone's waiting to see, is he going to get up? And out, out the corner of my ear, I hear this, I'm like, that is my mom. That is embarrassing. I'm getting up now. But if you know my mom, you'll know that at 5 a.m. she's singing and worshiping, and at 10 p.m. she's still doing the same. And that's inspiring for me, is that somebody loves God that way. Second, uh, the next one is my other parents. It says in the Bible that two shall become one flesh. And um, what my folks are, my in-laws are different. But what is amazing is that they both have the incredible uh, love for God. In both families, 
my grandchildren are ble- their grandchildren are blessed because they get to spend time with grandparents who love God and honor God. That is a huge blessing. So my, my mother-in-law is probably the best granny in the entire world. She has lots and lots of grandchildren, and if you have any kids and you're looking for a granny, she's your go-to girl. She's, she's selfless, she's generous, and she's kind. My father-in-law is probably the most generous man I've ever met. He does everything from big acts of kindness to small acts of kindness all day for everybody. And if you ever see him, he drives a little yellow Toyota Corolla from about 1940, badly. He drives it around Somerset West, and he's usually dropping off medicine or visiting someone or dropping off a tree that someone thought would be nice. He's, he's always serving other people. And that is what God has given me and my family. He's given you all different things. So this morning, you got a bit of a picture into who I am. But this morning, as I teach about honor, I want to say, first and foremost, we're here to honor God. And as Christians, our primary relationship is with God. And secondly, God has given me a family, my wife, my kids, my folks, and my circle of influence where I am at work and where I am at church to honor. So that's the basis for us this morning as we go into the word of God. Can we open up in a word of prayer? Father God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. I thank you, Father God, that your word is powerful. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that it is true. And Father, this morning as we speak on the Father heart of God, I pray, Lord, that we as people would get a glimpse into that, Father God. That, Lord, as we learn to know how much you love us and how much you care, that, Lord, that truly would change the way we live out our lives. I pray, Father God, that we'd leave here today with a greater appreciation of you. And, Father God, we'd also leave here today, Father God, with as people of action, honoring those around us that you've placed in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know, one of the things I love the most about the Bible is, I call it, it's the Bible's simple complexity. The fact that my four-year-old can understand the Bible makes the Bible simple. The fact that theologians are still debating it and finding it true makes it complex. And this morning, we look at the Bible for all different reasons. I've got youth here today, there's students, there's right through to grandparents. And you know what is amazing is the Bible's there for each and every one of us. So I want to start with the two bookends. Then I talk about the Bible. If you've got your Bible, please turn to Matthew 22 with me. And in the past few weeks, we've learned about some of the truths of the commandments and, and really what those apply. So in Matthew 22, verses um, 35, it says, One of them, a lawyer, asked him, asking him as Jesus, a question, testing him. And he said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And he Jesus said to them, it's blue, so it's important. Actually, it was red in my slide. It's been made blue, but it's important. It's, in my Bible, it's red. And it's Jesus. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. For the last four weeks, we've been learning the first four commandments are 100% about loving God. They're about making him first. They're about applying him to our world. And the second part of that is where we get to today. It said, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, before we get there, for those of you who don't know the Bible very well and didn't know where Phoebe was found in the Bible or Philemon, that's okay. We're going to be going into Exodus, second book of the Bible, so start getting there in your Bibles if that's okay. But let me give you a bit of context to Exodus. Now, if you're like me and you you like to speed read and podcast as opposed to actually read, the Old Testament's a pretty important 
pretty, uh, pretty scary place, actually. You know, it's deep, and there's, there's lots of bloodshed and rituals and wars and tribes, and it all feels a bit big. So I'm going to give you a quick snapshot uh, version of, of Exodus. Now, Exodus is it's for the men in the, in the building. Exodus is an incredible book about a hero, about redemption, about people fighting for what is right. So Exodus, about 400 years before we get to the story of Moses, Joseph, anybody remember him, ended up in Egypt. And he started, the Israelites started coming to Egypt. So for 400 years, the Hebrew nation was building up in, inside of Egypt. And the Pharaoh wasn't very happy about this. And he oppressed them and put slavery upon them. And actually, he was really kind of mean to them. And they needed, firstly, they needed an intervention from God, but they also needed a leader. And they were desperate for both of those. So on rocks up the story of Moses. Now Moses, for those of you who know, or if you can remember from Children's Church, there was an edict out to kill all of the baby boys. And so what did Moses' moms do? Does anybody remember? No? She chucked him in a very small little reed basket and sent him down the river. Now, if you're a mom in the house, that was a pretty hard thing to do. You know, I don't, you know, I, I look at my, my kids, I, I'd have to trust God a lot to do that. I'd have to trust God a lot to, to say, God, you're going to take care of my kid here. Anyway, so he puts him in a reed basket, sends him down the river, and you know, I love God's sense of humor. Who picks him up? It's one of the Pharaoh's daughters. So not only does God say, cool, I'll look after him, he doesn't just do that. He says, I'm going to give him the best. I'm going to give him the absolute best. Because of your faith, I'm going to give him the best. Oh, and by the way, I'm also going to add in a little caveat. Mom, can you come and just look after this kid? So not only is he raised in the king's house as a prince of Egypt, he's raised by his biological mom. That is God's favor right there. So Moses grows up to become an Egyptian prince. Pretty cool. Wears one of those rad things on his head. Um, That's in my mind. Races on horses. Anyway, but he was always a man of action and reaction. And when he got a bit older, his reaction um, actually caused him to do something which he killed somebody and then fled out into the wilderness. So now you can picture this. Prince of Egypt, rock star, ends up looking after sheep for 40 years in the wilderness. Not so rock star, you know. Got a lot of time to think. So Moses is out there and he's in the wilderness and God confronts him through a burning bush and speaks to him, and he debates with God. He's like, "Mm, God, are you really saying this? And I think inside of Moses, he always knew that God had this plan for him. But in that moment of grappling with God, it was very clear. You've got to go back to Egypt. You've got to confront Pharaoh, and you've got to tell him to let my people go. Now, how many of us have heard God? I hope a lot of us. But this is the part of the story that I like that gets pretty interesting. Moses goes back to Pharaoh, and he says, Pharaoh... God says, let my people go. Now, I might have done that, maybe. And you know what Pharaoh says? He says, nah, nah. And most of us would have gone back and said, you know, God, I did what you said, and uh, yeah, sorry about that. It didn't kind of work out. But Moses went back, and he said, Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. And you know what he said again? He said, nah. So Moses went back again, and then he starts throwing frogs and locusts and bloody rivers and boils and a whole bunch of stuff. And finally, finally, Pharaoh subsides, and he lets the people go. 
How many of us know that Moses had incredible character at that moment? He knew that God had told him to do something and he kept going. That was perseverance and persistence. And I don't think we have that to the great degree today. So finally, the, the crew start leaving and they're walking away and they get to this small little obstacle called a, a sea. And they're standing there and they're like, okay, well, where do we go? And they turn around and there's the army is coming charging back at them because Pharaoh's changed his mind. He says, I want you back. I need someone to do some housework. And, and you know, God has to do something incredible. He's got to open up the sea so that an entire nation can walk through the sea. And then he closes the sea to protect them from, from the Egyptians. That's pretty big on God's behalf. Now these people are walking around the wilderness and they get to the point of the commandments. I'm not going to go through all of it. But the context I'm trying to tell you is that God had done an exceptional amount of work of teaching these, these people that they weren't slaves before he gave them the commandments. And this morning I want to say to you that God had said that, that they were his children before he gave them the commandments. He didn't give them the commandments so that they could become his children. And this morning I think so many of us want to do the commandments so that we can get child status with God. And God's saying, you are my child. I love you. Therefore, these rules and these commandments are so that you can have a much better walk with me as, as your kids. So I really want to say that in the commandments. So if you find Exodus, it's just after Genesis. Exodus 20. Then God issued this edict. I am Jehovah your God who liberated you from slavery in Egypt that you may worship no other God than me. You shall not make yourselves any idols, nor images of animals, birds, or fish. You must never bow or worship it in any way. For I, the Lord your God, am very possessive, and I will not share your affection with any other God. And when I punish the people for their sins, the pun punishment continues. Oopsie. Continues to the children, grandchildren, and to the great-grandchildren of those who, 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 who hate me. But I lavish my love upon, a, upon thousands of those who love me and, and obey my commandments. You shall not use the name of Jehovah your God irreverently, nor use it to swear to a falsehood. You will not escape punishment if you do. Remember to observe the Sabbath as a holy day. Six days a, work, a week you are, to, you, are, <laughs> you are for your daily duties and for your regular work. But on the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest before the Lord your God. On that day you will do no work of any kind, nor shall your son, your daughter, or your slaves, whether men or women, or your cattle, or your house guests. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, and rested in the seventh day. So he blessed the Sabbath and set it aside for rest. So, pause quickly. Those are the, those are the four commandments that we've had over the last four weeks. is to love our God. Absolutely love our God and have no other. To keep his name holy and to carry it well and to have rest. And to enjoy that rest. The first four commandments deal with our relationship upwards. And the next six relate, relate to our, our relationships outwards. And so this, this, today, this is the scripture. Exodus 20 verses 12. It says, Honor your father and your mother that you may have a long good life in the, the land the Lord will give to you. Do you know what's amazing is that while all of the ten commandments are for our good, all of them are for our good, this commandment is highlighted to have a blessing, not just for our life, but for our community's life. Do you know that this commandment was given to the whole nation? It wasn't saying, and honor your mom and dad so it may be good with you. He was saying it 
all of us, honor your mom and your dad so they may be good with you. And what he's implying is that if we honor, if we create that, that culture of honor across us, do you know that the benefit is for us? It means that the honor is not, a, it's not just a one-on-one thing, it's a community thing. So that we'll be long in the land, meaning we will have peace in our land. When we start to honor one another and live a life of honor, the whole community reaps the benefit, not just a single family unit. So what is that word? Isn't, what does that word honor mean? And I'm going to get it absolutely wrong. It's kabet. Something like that. Hebrews, my Hebrew is a bit, bit rusty. But it's, it's a word which means weighty. It means something that you place of incredible value and of importance. Um, it's something that is exceptionally prized. Uh, I don't know what you prize in your life, but it's something that you prize with, gr- of, with great weight. Um, you know, so often in our world today, we honor for all the wrong reasons. You know, we honor our bosses so that they'll give us something. We honor our employees. Or we pretend to honor our employees so that they'll have greater output. We honor our folks so that we can get a later curfew. I don't, you know, we have all the wrong reasons of honoring. But what God implies with honor is that we, we honor because we see the value that God has for that person. To honor our folks means we start to see them the way that God sees them. And then when we start to see that God loved them so much, then we will automatically honor them. Because we say, well, if I see you the way that God sees you, of course I'll honor you. Sure, you're not perfect, but man, I can honor you so that I can bring out what God has placed in you to fruition. I can make that more real. Do you know what else is amazing? Is that that word is actually a verb. How many of you know what a verb is? Dom, do you know what a word verb is? What? Okay, good. A verb is a doing word. I'm trying to teach my daughter. She's in grade two. It's a doing word. It's something you have to do. So, so often, honor, we don't see it as a doing word. We just see it as a word. Honorable minister. That's not what honor is. <laughs> honor is not that. Honor is a doing word. Honor is something that we have to, to do every single day. It's, it's, it's an action that we have to live out. It's amazing that what God is actually saying is he's saying, Pete, I want you to go and honor your parents. I want you to be a man of action to go and do something so that you can honor them and bring out God's best in them as your parents. Whether or not they did it first. Do you know, so often with, with things like this, what God is often asking us to do is to be the first to be proactive in our engagement. It's like when he says, love one another. So often it's like, well, I'm waiting for them to do something nice to me first, and then I'll respond with love. No, no, no. What God is saying is saying, I want you to be the first to make that honor. I want you to be the one who starts the honor cycle. And by starting the honor cycle, it'll be reciprocated. But if you wait for them, you might wait a very, very long time. Some of you, your folks haven't been honorable. And you're like, well, you know what? I don't want to go there. And today I want to say to you, start the honor cycle. And it might be a slow journey, but you've got to start. So, who do we honor? It says in that scripture, it says we honor our mom and our dad. Do you know that in the times when this scripture was written, it was a super patriarchal society, i.e. it was all about the men, you know? And actually what God was saying was being very countercultural. He was saying, honor your mom and your dad. And what he was saying is placing immense value in a family structure and the value of each individual. In that society, it was all about the dad. 
And suddenly God is saying, hang on a second, it's not all about the dad, it's about the mom and the dad. And that each person has a role and a value to play. And this morning, many of you will think, but I'm more like my dad, you know? Like, like for me, unfortunately, I've got my dad's looks and my mom's brains, you know, which is a good thing. Um, but I, we, always, we almost say, I, I want to be more like them. I'm, I'm kind of more kindred to my dad or I'm more like my mom. And actually, God's saying, no, we, families don't play favorites. Families can't play favorites. Families play honor because when they play honor, it brings unity together. And if we honor one another, we actually glue each other together. We celebrate one another's differences, but we honor to bring ourselves together. So honoring models of family structure. Secondly is, why should we honor our folks? Well, firstly, I would like to suggest the following, is that this is the fifth commandment. The first four are the reason we honor our folks. Because God says so. And because we want to honor God. And when we get a revelation of who God is, this should be a byproduct of that. This should be something that we do out of a response to God and out of a response to His grace. So the first reason we honor our folks is because we honor God. And it's God's command, and therefore we should honor them. And secondly, it says that it may be long in the land. And I said it earlier, alluded to it earlier, is that when we honor our folks, when we truly honor our folks, it starts to improve our lifestyle. Um, It takes time, but it will improve our lifestyle. Not just ours, not just Kate and I, but ours as a community. Because we're starting to honor people around us, people who God has placed in authority above us, our parents and our grandparents. And that means that we're starting to create a culture of honor. How do we honor? We honor by word, by action, and by deed. In Matthew 12, verses 24, it says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And our honor needs to be something that comes from deep within us. You know, there's always that thing of when you squeeze a toothpaste tube, what comes out? Or whatever is inside it. You know, it might be toothpaste, or you hope it's toothpaste. But when you squeeze something, what's inside comes out. And I'd like to say that when we fill ourselves with God and with his promises and his provision, when we squeeze it, that's what should come out, is that honoring one to another. Do you know, parents, we need to teach our kids to honor. It's not really a natural thing. It's not something that comes naturally, you know. Um, Hannah, change your tone of voice. Why? Well, firstly, it stinks. But secondly is that I'm trying to teach you to honor. James, don't slam the door. Why? Because that's not what we do in this household. We don't slam the door. Um, stop checking your Instagram feed, Dominic. Um, you know, we're doing this because we're teaching our kids that it's important to interact with each other and honor one another and be present with one another so that we can live greater lives. Josh, I'll get to you just now, but <laughs> Does honor mean obeying? It doesn't mean obeying. God didn't choose that word um, when he said honor your, your mom and da- your dad. He didn't even say like. He didn't say love. He didn't say hashtag. He said, honor your mom and your dad. When our kids are little, they need to obey us because they don't know any different. So when Benj was two, you'd have to put his clothes out for him and you'd have to tell him what to eat and what to do because they're little. When he's four, I'm not telling him as many things. He comes down with some pretty awesome things that he's wearing, but that's his choice. Because he's starting to make decisions and we need to teach them to make decisions. And I think so often with 
with our, with our parents, we want to control them. But the point of raising children is that when they get to adulthood, they will be effective adults who have a real personal relationship with God. And we do that by having a relationship of honor with them at home and not trying to control them all the time. And so we're weaning them throughout this process of hitting 18 when they leave home. And we've got to say, God, I need to do everything I can to get to that point so they can make decisions on their own that are honorable and, and good for you, God. I'm halfway there. So I'm looking to a lot of you for some more assistance. In Proverbs 1, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. So how do we do this? I want to give you three keys. There's lots more. I'd like to just start with some. The first I'd like to say is there's a book by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. Has anybody read it? It's an interesting book, and, and I think it talks about the way that we should respond to someone or how, how we give out affection and love. And this morning I'd like to say, find that person that you know, your mom or your dad, and find their honor language. I believe that each of our folks have a language of honor that they like to give and they like to receive. So the book, The Five Love Languages, talks about things like physical touch, you know, words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, or acts of service. So now I can see what you're thinking. I hope you are. But like for me, if I want to honor my, my, my dad, I'll phone him up and say, Bali, let's grab a coffee. Come. Let's grab a coffee. And that speaks his love language. We'll sit there. We'll catch up. We'll connect. He loves a hug. Give him a big hug. And that's words of affirmation. It's quality time. And it's, it's, it's physical touch. Whereas my mom, I know what speaks her love language. She often says, I'll take you to an airport again. I said, yes, mom. We sit and we have a quick chat on the phone because she wants to know what's going on in my world and I need to find out where she is in the world. So, you know, it works for both of us. <laughs> for my mother-in-law, it's sitting down for a family meal around a table with the whole family there. That is her language. That speaks her love language. For my father-in-law, it's saying, thank you, Dad, for the, the plants that you planted in my garden because I need, that, I need that kind of help. Or it's, thanks for the plaster you put on James or... Thanks for this. Or it's just noticing what he's done, his act of service, and me reciprocating by knowing it. If we know what the other person's honor language is, it's so much easier to, to embrace them or interact with them. And you yourself will have your own honor language. So the first thing is find their honor language. What is that thing that makes them feel acknowledged by God the Father and by you? Next up, I'd like to say is that we ourselves need to be honorable. It's all very well honoring somebody else. But if it comes from a fake place, it won't last. It can't last. And the only way that we can be honorable is to spend time with the one who made us honorable. And so I'd like to suggest the second thing is that before you can honor your folks, you need to figure out that God loved you so much that he placed these things inside of you. So you need to spend time with him so that you can be a person of honor and of value. And then thirdly, I'd like to say to you that if we want to honor, we need to forgive. And this is hard. And you can say to me, well, Pete, that's all liquor. But you've got both your sets of folks. They're sitting here in church and they love God. And, and that's nice for you. But you don't understand where I came from. You don't know my folks. They're not like your folks. They weren't punk rockers in the 60s and turned to God and, and, and fell in love with him. They're not like that. I, I've got a broken relationship with my folks. And I'm saying, 
I, I don't know where you're coming from. I don't, but God does. And so many of us are like this little fruit tree over here. Um, it looks half decent. It's a little bit withering, you know, but it's green still. It's still green. And, and we look at it and we go, well, it's doing okay. It's doing okay. It doesn't have a lot of fruit, but it's, it's doing okay. And, and its root system is, it's there, you know. And so many of us are like that. You know, we've got bruised roots where we came from. They're not all there, but we're doing okay. And I'd like to say to you that we need to forgive those around us. But the only way we can forgive is we can take the soil of God's word and we can start to apply it into our lives. And when we take God's soil and we start to apply it to our lives, it does a couple of things. The first thing it does, it gives us a solid base from which to build our lives. It says, well, hang on a second, you were a little bit drifty. But if you realize that if I plug myself and my roots into God, it gives me a solid base from which to work from. And we can say, well, cool, that's great. But in that soil, do you know what's amazing in that soil? Is all the nutrients that that tree needs is in there. Everything that that tree needs, it gets and starts to absorb through that soil. And then the next thing that we add is we add the water of God's spirit to it. Because we need to water it. We start to feed that tree. We start to feed it. We start to feed it. And what happens is as we water that, and as we, as we see it grow, do you know what's amazing about it? It starts to benefit others. When that tree grows, when it's fully grown, you can come to my house in 15 years, it will have fruit. And kids will sit underneath its fruit. And they'll eat it. And they'll enjoy its shade. And so many of us, we look at this and we go, well, Pete, how does honor have anything to do with this? I believe honor has everything to do with this. Because when we honor God, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I'm choosing you. And I'm going to put my roots deep into who you are. And I know that whatever my past was, God, I couldn't control a lot of that. For some of us, Satan has stolen a whole bunch of stuff. He's stolen stuff from you. He has robbed you. And today you can say, God... Yeah, that sucks. But you know what, God, today I'm going to put my trust in you and I'm going to honor you and I'm going to put my roots in you. And you know what, God, I'm going to make it solid. I'm going to apply your word. I'm going to apply your truth. And I'm going to apply the spirit of God so that my tree will be rooted and grounded. And then you know what? I'm going to honor up. I'm going to honor across. And I'm going to honor down. I'm going to honor who God, who you gave me as my parents. I'm going to honor who you gave me as peers. And I'm going to honor who you gave me as kids. And I'm going to start the cycle of honor in my life so that not just I'm benefited, but this whole community is benefited by the honor that God can have in and through our lives. Do you know that the, the Old Testament finishes with the following? Malachi 4. It says, Remember the law of your servant Moses and the statutes and the rules that I commanded him. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and the awesome day of the Lord that the Lord comes. Here's the the big part. Malachi 4 verse 6, it says, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Do you know that throughout the Bible, that's all God is doing, is he's trying to get in a relationship with us. He wants to be in a relationship with you. 
that there's a father that wants to love you and be in a relationship with you. And you know what? When he does that, guys, when he does that, you can start to have relationships with others that are just so much better and so much brighter and full of honor and full of love because of what God has done for you. So this morning, we're gonna, we're gonna close in prayer and then we're gonna sing a song about Father God. This morning, there may be some of you that, that, that didn't have great parents or, you know, you didn't, your, your, your start in life was different and it wasn't, it wasn't great. This morning, I wanna, I wanna pray and I wanna trust God that today we change the cycle, that today we, we start to honor. And please, this is not a sentimental thing. What I don't want is I don't want you to run out of here and send your folks a WhatsApp say, I love you. That's not what it is because that wasn't what God intended honor to be. God wanted us to have a lifestyle of honor and that's a daily thing. It's a choice. It's something that we need to do. It's not sentimental. It's a choice. And I want you to say, we're gonna pray now and I'm gonna pray, God, help me to make that choice in my heart. Whether that outworks into an SMS today, tomorrow, in a week, that's okay, but I want you to make a choice today that you're gonna honor God and you're gonna start to honor your parents. So won't you bow your heads with me as we pray. Father God, we, we come before you, Lord. We just wanna say thank you first and foremost that you, you are indeed a good father. Father, we thank you, Lord, that, that you love us, Father God, and that you care for us and that you're interested in us. And Jesus, we wanna thank you that you honored your dad so much that you came down to earth for us so that we can have a relationship with him. And this morning, Father, as we speak about honor, we pray, Lord God, that today there would be an awakening in our spirits, Father God, for the value that you placed on our lives and in our parents' lives, Father God, and those around us, that we would appreciate it, Father God, and we'd realize it so that, Father, today, would be a landmark where we can say, Lord, that day was the day I changed my honor. And I started to honor those that you placed around me. And I saw how you saw them. I started to see that, Father God. And so, Father God, we thank you, Lord, for that. We pray, Lord God, Jesus, for the, the courage and the strength and the perseverance to push through, Father God, like Moses did. He pushed through. I pray, Lord, you'd help us to push through so that those around us would see the, the, the difference you've made in our hearts and in our lives and they'd feel the honor that you've placed on us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for that.